Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I tell you, it's just a great day in the house of God. Amen. Listen, a couple of weeks ago, we started Family and Friends, and we started off with Pastor Aaron Creasy, who did an amazing job wherever he is. I'm not sure, but when he's standing, you can't miss him. And then we had Pastor Ben last week. That was awesome. And online, you're going to have a treat today because today we have Pastors Maddie's and Jill's friend, Ansley, and her husband, Brett, and their three children are here. But Ansley's going to be bringing the word today. So would you please stand? And I want to give her a colonial honor welcome. Would you please just let her know we're so grateful that she's here today. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Welcome back from Passion Camp. Did you, did you get a little woo? Who went to Passion Camp? Yeah, okay. You made it to church. Y'all really recovered? No, maybe? No, they said no. I can tell this is a good rowdy bunch. Okay, good. I like it. I'm trying to talk and go through my scripture at the same time. Uh, can anybody do multitasking? Y'all, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> my name's Ansley. Um, I'm from Atlanta. My family and I, um, my husband Brett, um, Anna Jean, she's 10, Shiloh, 8, and Johnny's 5, and they're all here with me. Um, we were at Passion Camp last week, uh, which was awesome, and um, loved getting to be there uh, with Pastor Ben, you guys got last week. Um, he literally is the goat, so good job. Um, <laughs> wish that I had been last week and he had been this week, but whatever. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> Literally my favorite Bible teacher of all time, and just he and his family are good friends. And so it was fun to be with them last week. Um, I love St. Augustine. It's so cool. Um, Brett and I met Maddie and Jill about, I mean, it's been over 10 years and um, in Atlanta, and we each had one baby. And so we'd go to coffee with our one baby, and then we'd go to breakfast with our one baby, and um, now we have all the babies. It's great. Um, but we, I love that we still share in ministry um, and also get to keep in touch, but it's just so cool over the last few years, like them pouring into us at Passion City um, and being together at camp, and it's just been so great to reconnect um, with their family. And so I don't know you guys personally, but I love you, and I've been praying for you. And so I'm really expectant for what God's going to do. I believe that he has a word for us today, and um, I'm really excited for it. Uh, the scripture for me is really everything. I love the Bible, love the word of God. Um, it's the, something eternal that we have to hold in our hands. Like God gave us something that is eternal, that literally lasts forever, and we get to hold it in our hands. And oftentimes we're like, man, I just really want a word from God, you know, like I wish he would give me a word. He's like, I gave you so many words, you know, and they're in this book and he does speak to us in so many ways and he's given us his Holy Spirit. That's eternal. Um, but it always corroborates with this word. And so we can, we, we look no further than this to know what God is trying to say to us about himself and about us, who we are as the people of God. Um, so I'm a Bible teacher at heart. I brought with me some slides today. You'll see them behind me. I left my worksheets at home. You're welcome. I know some of you really were like, man, I love a worksheet. Um, I just love anything that gets us interacting with the text. You know, like I don't want to just talk at you. I really want this word to speak to you. And James says, not just to hear it, but so that we can do it. And that when we do it, we're blessed 
in all we do, and we walk in freedom. And so I want that for us today. But to do that, we all have to interact with that word. And so it's not like spectating. It's like, God, what do you want to say to me through your word? And I love that. Um, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. That's where we're at today. If you love to take notes, get your notes out, get your Bible out, get your phone out. Um, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to hop over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a fresh word um, for this service today um, at Colonial. And I just pray that you would go before us, you'd come behind us, and you'd speak so personally to each one of us because you care about us so deeply. Um, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So 1 Peter um, chapter 5, our main text is 5 through 7, but we're going to kind of, I'm going to expound upon that context for us because Bible teacher, love context, love all the words. So, but 5 through 7, this is our main text today. It's this, in the same way, you who are younger, submit to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your cares on him or your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So if you look at verses 5 through 7, and I have my little slide coming up, you're going to see some arrows, and they kind of go around. This is my brain. So like, you can do this too. You can go to your house. You can make a little photocopy. You can print it out online. You can even, you know, if you like to write in your Bible, if you're like, oh, can never do that, then you print it out, you know, get a little printout. Something about doing that physical, I mean, I do it on my, my, my iPad even, if, you're, if you like a, you know, iPad pen, but just... Just interact with the text. Like, I would draw a big circle around it like that. But then when I look around it, what do I see is there's all these words around it. That's the context. So I need to go back because I can't. We're in chapter 5. We've been going for five chapters. This is the, for four chapters. This is all the way at the end. This is Peter's last exhortation to hit the church. So we're kind of wondering, where is this in First Peter? Who's speaking? Who's he speaking to? What's, what's there? You know, and why is it there? To, so to provide some context, to build a framework, just really briefly, we're going to go back. I'm going to take us back to the very first chapter so we can see where we've been. Um, it's in chapter 1, 1 Peter. This is how he opens it up. And this is what he says in verse 3. He says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This is amazing. It's like eternal. It's like so great. It's so encouraging. And we're going to see why. He says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded. Again, like this protection, this eternal protection by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, right? Why wouldn't you? That's amazing. You greatly rejoice. Though for now, these shifts, you hear the shift, though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You may have now had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So 1 Peter is a letter written by Peter to this um, scattered church in Asia who's likely under some kind of persecution. They're under some kind of suffering. Something has caused them to suffer grief or kind of trials, pain, hardship, um, some tension. So when I started this, because I started in 1 Peter 5, that was the word that I was like, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what God, I, you know, I thought this is going to be about humility. It's obviously about humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He might lift you up. And it is. But I realized as I was going back to this context that this is about 
thriving in suffering. So today I want to talk about thriving in suffering. Now please don't leave. <laughs> I know if I've said that, now you have this very important thing, all caps, that you need to do. That's fine. You can just go that way. Um, but I, I understand. Um, ben said uh, last week when I saw him, he's like, I saw your big face at Colonial. I was like, thanks, like, because he saw on the screen. He's like, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it was big. Like, it was bright. It was smiling. So I was like, I come here today to tell you I'm going to smile while we talk about thriving in suffering. <laughs> um, very joyfully, I'm going to talk about thriving in suffering. Um, I wanted to start with that spoiler alert, though, because a lot of us are suffering. Or there was a lot of us experiencing pain. Uh, many of us have just come through a hard season. Collectively, we've all just come through a hard few years. Um, and some of us have been just fine, you know, but the, none of us escape pain. And so whether we've just come out of a season or whether something just happens and all of a sudden we found ourselves in this place we never thought we'd be. So it's a message for the mighty and for the weary. Um, it's the thriving and suffering. It's for all of us. Um, no one is... Uh, we're all on the same playing field when it comes to suffering and trials and grief. Um, we, can all, we can all relate. Um, but this, I love First Peter because this is what, he shows us a way that we don't just have to make it through. We don't just have to barely scrape by, by the skin of our teeth and escape through our suffering. No, he says you can thrive in your suffering. And this is three ways, and then we're going to hop back into our First Peter chapter 5. But these are three ways we see on the way there that we thrive in suffering. So I'm just going to go ahead and give them, to, give them to you, and then we're going to spend the rest of the time on number four. And here they are. So number one, we thrive in suffering when we have a living hope. That's what Peter opens up with. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He's given us new birth into a living hope. Suffering can steal our hope, but we have been given a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Number two, we thrive in suffering when we remember who we are in Christ. This is all going into chapter two, or in, uh, yeah, chapter two. He literally is saying, in, in, as he gets to, to verse nine, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You may have heard this before. God's special possession that you may declare his praises. Like you can worship even though there's things going on. He's like, I've made you to be worshipers. I've made you to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have it. Even in the suffering, you have this mercy of God. You're a child of God, and that will carry you through. So we thrive in suffering when we remember who we are in Christ. And number three, we thrive in suffering when we trust God and continue to do good. We thrive in suffering when we trust God and continue to do good. Suffering can cloud our vision for our lives, like what is my purpose? I was doing so good. I, I was going along just fine. And then, or, or even, God, why is this happening to me? Why are you letting this happen? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why my family? And the, the people in First Peter, they had the same questions. It says in, in chapter 4, he says, don't be surprised if the fire, at the fiery ordeal that has come on you. So there's, that's this, this sudden. There's things that might just have, that have come on them just quickly. He says, don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. That's kind of like an ouch for me because I'm like, I am always surprised. Like, why? I don't want that to be, no. But he says, don't be surprised. I'm not surprised. God's not surprised. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And then, so we're skipping down to verse 19. 
This is our last little hinge into the section we're going into. This is like a hinge verse, you know, like a doorway. So it's kind of swinging back, showing us everything we just learned in one through four, and now it's gonna swing forward into verses five, one through 11. So it's some people, some scholars even call it the summary verse for the entire chapter of First Peter. So if you want that, you don't, it's like the Cliff Notes version. Literally, it's this verse. It says, so then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So we thrive, and there's purpose in the suffering. Maybe not the suffering itself, we don't always understand it. We really don't. But there can be, we have purpose, and that's to trust God and to continue to do good, to continue to do everything he's put to our hand and to just take one step into that goodness every single day. So where does the humility come in? Why is he writing to them in this shift in, in five? He starts talking about humility. After walking through these four chapters and how to live in the landscape of suffering, Peter gives this final exhortation, this last impression, and it's be humble. It's like, okay, but be humble. But he begins to, to explain it in the context of church and church leadership. And it's, it's, we find out that no one is exempt. So we go back down to where we started, and it says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit to yourselves, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. And we'll stop there. So there's two groups, and then they equal the all. There's the elders, and then there's the you who are younger. And then that equals all of you. So the elders were the people leading the church, the church leadership, and then the younger were the people following them. So we see in one of my little slides up here that there are, through one through four, they're explaining this is how you should be as an elder. And it's kind of embodying these traits of humility. You know, it says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, be shepherds. Be a shepherd of God's, to God's flock under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but because you're eager to serve. Like a leader is serving. And, and eager, like this bright spot in the Greek, the eager is like enthusiastically serving, passionate, with zeal, with excitement. And I, I got really convicted by that. I was like, do I always serve that way? Am I always excited and eager, willing? And then he says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And then he says, in the same way you who are younger, your job is to submit. So you might not be in a season of leadership, or you might not be in a place where you're leading the church. But he's like, make alleviate, alleviate the pressure by being a, a good follower. Be willing to follow. Leaders be willing to serve, and uh, younger, and those who are not serving or leading, be willing to follow. And then he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. That's everyone. So there's this like reciprocity, this reciprocal humility that's happening. We see everyone is being humble. When everyone's serving, that is when everything is functioning the way it should be. And it's under this backdrop of suffering. He's saying, how do we function? How do we thrive as the church, as a people? We serve one another in love. And so there's this picture. All of you clothe yourself with humility. And so in other areas of scripture, like in Colossians, it says, like, put on love. It actually says love, um, compassion, kindness, and humility is in that list. Put on love. That's almost like put it on like a garment. And I've always loved that, that, that picture. But this one is the only time that word is used in all of the New Testament, clothe yourselves. It's actually like tie around your waist. So it's this, like, utilitarian choice to put on, like, an apron or a towel. 
And then you're going and getting ready to serve for your day. Like you're getting ready, going out, going, I am, that is my mission for today. I'm going to find a way to serve and to make myself low. And so this literally like a servant in that day would be ready by the door. As someone came in, there'd be a basin of water. They would wash their feet and then they would to untie the garment that they tied on, which is like an apron or a towel, and they would then dry, wash and dry the feet. And they tie it back on. That's humility. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what every, all of you, it says all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And so that, is, that can make its way out in so many different ways in our lives, right? So we all have that in our head. Who do I need to do that? Tie the towel and, and serve. And so that is the picture of people leading. That's the people serving and then the people following. All of you serve. And so why? Why do we do this? It gives us the reason right after that because it's always good when scripture just answers itself. Why? Why am I humble? Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Some translations say gives grace to the humble. Because humility is the key to grace. We receive God's grace as a gift and no one can receive the grace of God without being humble. We, when we came to God in our need, we said, God, I need you. I, I have sin in my life. I can't do it on my own. I need you. That's, that's humility. And then God gave us grace in our time of need. He gave us life and salvation. And so that's, that's a picture of that. But he, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I love that, that that verse actually comes from Proverbs. I think you guys were in a wisdom series not too long ago. And so it's Proverbs 3.34. So we see that humility is actually a wise choice. It's a good choice to be humble. It's a wise choice to pursue humility. If it's logical, it's a, like the Bible is logical. Like if it's logical that we want grace and the key to grace is humility, then the key to humility is getting humble. Then I want to go, how do I get humble? Like my goal is God's grace. My goal is God's favor. So therefore my goal is humility. Humble yourselves therefore, verse six, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Allow yourselves to be humble. Actually, that verse means humble yourselves or allow yourselves to be humble. Like, let your hum humility humble itself under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And so this is, I mean, super countercultural. You know, like the world would say, even in this day, this is incredibly radical teaching. This was not a virtue of this day, just like it's not a virtue of our day. Because the world would say, humbling yourself is humiliating. Humbling yourself is shameful. It's weakness. Like even Jesus, like he looked like he was humiliating himself. When you look back from the world's perspective and the people who were around him at the time, mocking him, taunting him, calling him the king of the Jews, you know, save yourself. Sure that he was going down to his certain death. But God in his way made the very least, the very greatest. Because in Philippians 2, we see this same exact command, humble yourself. You come out of the mouth of Jesus. When Paul's describing how he says Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God the Father. And he didn't consider any kind of equality, something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. This is like the picture of humility in scripture. It's the picture we have. He had the status. He had the power. He had everything. He could have commanded his angels to save him at any moment, but he chose to lay that aside 
chose to lay himself down so that he could be lifted up in due time, so that you and I could come humbly to the cross and lay down everything and be given everything we need in grace in Christ Jesus. So everything we've ever needed comes from that act of humility at the cross. It's amazing. And so our great need, even in suffering, so back to the suffering, our great need is really a great opportunity for God to pour out more grace on our lives. So humble yourselves. That word, again, allow yourselves to be humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. And then there's a period here, but in the Greek, there is no period. So I'm just going to tell you, the, it's really, the, pretend that's not there. Cross it out. You can do that. Scratch it out. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time, casting down your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The way we get humble is by casting down our cares on Jesus because he cares for us. I was asking my Greek professor, nerd alert, um, about this verse because I really wanted to make sure um, that it was correct. Like, is it we humble ourselves by casting down our cares? Um, these are the things that keep me up at night. And as I email him, and I'm like, I hope he emails me back in time, whatever. He like, right back, like, guys, nerds, they know each other. They're like, he's like, yes. Um, he's, yes, it is. It's by casting. And this is what he said. He dropped some gold. He didn't even mean to, so I'm crediting him. But he says, I mean... The very act of throwing down our anxieties is pretty humbling, isn't it? Yeah, we don't want to, right? We, I don't want to. I want to hold on. I love to hold on to my pet anxieties, my pet idols, my pet depressions, my pet things, and like grasping at straws, like some kind of control that I still have. But there is such a humility in letting go. There's a humility in trusting God. So no, we don't muster up our own humility. We humble ourselves by actively depending on God for help. What do we need to do to pry open our hands and throw it down at the feet of Jesus? It's like a pretty graphic word, like throwing. Like you're supposed to throw it down. Sometimes you really do. You might have to kick it. Like don't come back. You know, like it kind of comes back and then you want to grab it. And like, no, don't come back. It's throwing it down. And, I mean, this message really is for me today. I, this isn't a how-to to, how to get humble. I really wish it was. I tried to make a list when I started this, just like out of curiosity. How would we get humble? You know, if I Google how to get humble, would a list pop up? Would there be a checklist? Go to church more. Bring a friend. Uh, serve at the soup kitchen. Don't post that on social media. You know, hold my tongue. I mean, those are, that might be God telling me to be humble. That might be a way to be humble. But humility isn't a to-do list, and it's not proximity to a to-do list. Humility is proximity to a person, and more specifically, it's proximity under the mighty hand of God. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. So for me, I'm asking the question, how close am I to the hand of God in my life, to obeying and submitting to his word and his ways? And it's not get under his hand so that he can crush you. It's get under his hand so that he can hold you. It's not get under his hand so he can judge you. Although he does say he opposes the proud. So if we haven't come to Christ in need, we are in opposition to God in a way, but his hands of grace are always open. All we have to do is say, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart, Jesus is Lord and I will be saved. And I have that grace. So when we come into the mighty hand of God as the child of God, he's not judging us. He wants to protect us. He's not trying to shame you for what you're going through. 
But get under his hand so that he can care for you while you're going through what you're going through. Get under his hand so you can receive a blessing, namely his grace. And so if we come to God in humility in that salvation moment, just like Ben talked about last week, we come to God every day for sanctification moments all the time. We need God's grace in us, and we need it abundantly, especially in times of suffering. And he gives us everything we need in proximity to his mighty hand. So we don't just make it through when we're suffering. Um, We can thrive in it um, through humility. And we thrive in suffering when we have a living hope. Again, it's fuel for today. It's bright hope for tomorrow. He's our living hope. And we thrive in suffering when we remember who we are in Christ. We're the people of God. You have an identity. You have a a calling. You have a, a mercy on your life. And that will carry you through whatever you're going through. And we thrive in suffering when we trust God and continue to do good. You have purpose, even amidst the pain. And the last one is humility is the key. It's the key to thriving in the midst of suffering. It is the thread that wraps it all together. It's individual, but it's also collective. We need each other. We need God. We need the church. And the result of this humility will equip you, and it will carry you into the future. Because there's a promise. He will lift you up in due time. Verse 8 says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. He's after your faith. And suffering can take out your faith. But God's saying, Be humble. I'm going to make your faith strong through humility. It's this countercultural, like weakness that the culture sees as weakness. I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to make you strong. Not only strong, I'll make you firm. I'll make you steadfast. This is what it says. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. And verse 10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Because suffering is a season. But humility is not lost from season to season. So if you're in a season of suffering, pray that the humility would remain. Pray that even after the suffering is gone, after the pain is gone, because it will end. You won't deal with the same thing next year that you're dealing with this year, the next, same thing the next year. But pray that the humility would remain because it builds our faith. And that's everything. He says it's more precious than gold in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says you're going through these trials so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I would love to end with a prayer um, over you guys and for, for me, for you. Um, I, before, I, I long, knew long ago when I was coming here and I, I had written down this prayer and I, before I even knew what we were talking about. So I'd love to pray it over you guys. If y'all wanna stand, um, I'll pray for us and then we'll head out. Lord, would you speak over Colonial Church and bless them? Would you convict them and make them more like you? And would you make them a people who love you and love your word and live it out in the way they love each other? Would you make them humble in an arrogant world? And would you make them shine in a dark world like a lamp that lights up the whole house? And would you give them roots that grow deep, established in you, refreshed in you, make them a respite for a weary world? And would they need you more and more? And would you meet them in that place with the comfort and the provision and the care that only you can bring? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you. 
and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.